All right, so um, last week we kicked off this, uh, this Summer of Wisdom and, and launched this Wisdom series uh, from the Proverbs. And uh, what we did last week, uh, if you weren't here, is we looked at the prologue, the first seven verses, and kind of introduced this thing. And, and we saw just some really important yet powerful um, uh, wisdom principles. And, and I really think that the, the most significant wisdom principle that we got last week uh, really foundational is that uh, the beginning of wisdom is, what is it, remember? Fear of the Lord, right? It's, it's the most important principle. Listen, if you don't fear God, then all the wisdom that you gain, it really means nothing in the end, right? If you don't have this appropriate fear, view of God and his awesomeness and his uh, otherliness and how far above us he is, yet the fact that he reached down and and, and, and says, I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to call you to trust me and to obey me and to follow me. If you don't have that perspective, then all the wisdom that we can gain from, from the, the Proverbs is just a self-help seminar, and that's not what we're trying to do here. This is, this is uh, important, powerful stuff, and we want it to, to flow from the, the fear of the Lord. And so that's the, the foundation. Wisdom without the Lord is foolishness. And so this week what we're going to do is specifically get into uh, some, some wisdom for some, some, some certain uh, topics uh, as we roll throughout the course of the summer from the Proverbs. Um, uh, but first, let me just kind of, if I can, let me add to, to last week's framework that we started to lay down and, 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 and just make sure that we get it. Uh, a proverb, a, a proverb is usually a short uh, single verse statement but may at times include, you know, lengthy prologues. But typically it's a single verse statement that is memorable and memorizable so that it will stick with you, right? And so it kind of heightens your, your chance of really applying the wisdom that, that you gain when it's memorizable and short and, and catchy and, and you get it. And so uh, 3,000 years ago, here's what some scholars would do with their students is they would, they would take their students and as, as a way of kind of quizzing them through the Proverbs, is they would recite the first half of the proverb and let their students recite uh, the, the rest of the proverb. So what I thought I, I would do just to kind of kick it off uh, and, and continue to build on our framework from last week is we'll do that, okay? I'm going to give you a proverb, and you get to give me the rest. Now, these aren't going to be these holy biblical uh, God-inspired proverbs. These are going to be more just modern-day uh, Forrest Gump-style proverbs, right? A box is like, or a box, a life is like a box of, yeah, you got that, okay. So that kind of thing, but we won't do Forrest Gump because that's just overused and abused and lame, right? So I don't want to be lame tonight. So here's one, okay. Absence makes the, okay, yep. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. All right, you city people, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, birds of a feather flock together. A penny saved is a, Ben Franklin, by the way. Did you know that? That was Ben Franklin. All right. Uh, the, the apple never falls far. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, don't bite the hand. Yes. And then the early bird. All right. This is extra credit right here. But the second mouse, you know that one? The early bird gets the worm. The second mouse gets the cheese, right? Okay, good. So you'll get that one on your way home. Uh, you will, I promise. Just, just wait for it. It's coming. You ready? You got it? All right, second mouse gets the cheese. All right, so the, the first nine chapters of, of the book of, of Proverbs really come from this perspective of, uh, of a father and a mother sometimes to, to a son, son. And so it really carries kind of this, this loving tone that my child, I don't want you to mess up. I don't want you to trip up. I don't want you to walk 
uh, far from, from wisdom. And so it's just this really loving tone. And so you can even picture, you know, parents in ancient times with these proverbs saying the first half and saying, all right, buddy, can you get it? All right, sweetheart, can you get it? You know, I do this with my child a lot. We have, uh, we have these, uh, you know, these three-by-five index cards, you know, on a ring binder, and we have the scripture that, that we have uh, them memorized. And so I'll do, you know, not a proverb per se, but, you know, Psalm uh, uh, 56.3. Uh, when I'm afraid, and he goes, I will trust in thee, Psalm 56.3. You've got to memorize it in the King James because it, it rhymes. When I'm afraid, I will trust in thee, Psalm 56.3. You got that? Anyhow, so we do that with our kids a lot and, uh, because we, we love our kids, and we want our kids to get wisdom and walk in wisdom and, 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 and walk in, in, in truth. And, 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 you know, even it's not just children's literature that, that we're looking at. Even historically speaking, kings throughout the generations have been known to open up the Proverbs and, and try to gain wisdom, try to gain insight for, for, for what they're doing. And so the call this summer for you is just open up and receive some wisdom from the Lord. This is not your modern, this is, this is divinely inspired wisdom from the Lord. And so remember last week we talked about, uh, just so I, would, I would challenge you to take the, the, the Proverbs and really do a chapter per day with me. And, and, and this is a real simple thing that we can do for the next three months together so that we read all the Proverbs three times and, and really get some good, you know, some, you know, repetition in. And so today is the, what's today, 19th? So you read Proverbs 19, tomorrow 20th, and uh, the next one 21. So you got that. So that would be a, a good thing for you to, uh, to do for your, your summer reading or do it in addition to what we've already uh, maybe been doing in your own time. But man, I just want you to, to really dive into Proverbs uh, with me throughout the course of the summer. Understand this. This is, this is really uh, important. Kind of final note before we actually get into what we're talking about uh, tonight. You need to understand how to receive the Proverbs. This is, this is really important. Um, the, 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 the Proverbs are, are guidelines for how to walk wisely and to live in wisdom. But please understand that they're not stiff, rigid rules. I want you to make sure that, that you get that. That what they are is they are, are generalizations uh, about life, statements that are generally true. But there may be, uh, in the Proverbs, some, some exceptions from time to time. So we need to really differentiate between uh, two kinds of truths here. Uh, there, there are truths that we would call promises, right? Uh, these are things that are guaranteed to be true all the time, always, right? An example of this would be Psalm 94 uh, 14 says, the, the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. Always true, period. He will not forsake you, right? That's a promise. And then we have these, these, these proverbs where uh, things, th- these, are, these, are, these are, are not promises that if you do this, then this will always happen, but they are, are generalizations. Typically, this is true. Typically, this is what would happen. An example would be uh, Proverbs 15.1. You know this, some of you are soft. Answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, right? That's not a, that's not a promise. It's a proverb. It's a, it's a principle. It's, it's generally true. But, but just imagine with me that, that if you were speaking to somebody and they were just a complete jerk to you and they were just rude and they were wrathful and, and awful to you and you respond to them with a soft answer, but then they continue on to be a jerk to you, do you say, well, guess the Bible's been proven false. I mean, that's what it says, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I mean, we do here at the church talk a lot about the inerrancy of Scripture. It's always, this is God's Word. It is authoritative. You can't prove it wrong. Well, what do we do? What do we do? It's been proven. No, no. See, it's a, 
It's a proverb. It's a principle, not a promise. And so just make sure that little phrase sticks with you throughout the course here. Uh, Principle, not promises. These are the proverbs. So there's your introduction. But here's where I want to go tonight. Tonight's principle is, is this, very important. Proverbs 14, 12, is, it says this. We're going to do a lot of bouncing, as I said before. But, but Proverbs 14, 12, tonight, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's a, a way that seems right to a what? You got that? A man, right? So uh, fathers, this one is for you tonight, right? Dads, we typically have men, we typically have a way of, of doing things, and, and we're generally speaking pretty stinking stubborn, right? And uh, what, if, what if I told you today that, from the word, that, that your way might be leading to death? I hope you would listen. Like, your, your, your way today might be leading to, to death. And so, maybe many of you wives are instantly, you think about the way of a man, right? He knows where he's going, but it might be going the wrong way. You're thinking your husband and maps, right, you know, like this is me, I'm a map nerd, I know where I'm, I always know where I'm going, and the next thing you know, we end up on the death road in Dorchester that we shouldn't be on, you know what I mean, and so there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's just straight up wrong, and so tonight, what we're going to be talking about, fellas, is, is the direction of your life, and what you should be doing, what path you really should be on, as specifically as a man. Now, ladies, I don't want you to check out this week. I want you to check out uh, because you need this too for, for many reasons. All my single ladies, as Beyonce says, you need this, right? You, you really need this. Um, you might need to hear what kind of, of man to seek. You might need to hear what kind of man to avoid. You might need to hear from this what kind of man to dump, right? And so you need to hear this. Mothers and, and future mothers, you need to hear what you need to instill in your, your children, right? This is... From Scripture, what some of you are going to be mothers someday, and so you need to hear what to instill in your son. And then I think all ladies, because ladies like to talk and give each other counsel, we need to hear this. Because when she comes to you and says, but he's so fine, he is so attractive, he is so sweet, and, and, and I love him so much, and you need to be prepared to give, not personal opinion, but you need to be prepared to give true wisdom from the Lord. And so tonight... We're looking at some biblical manhood. It could be a full series in and of itself, so forgive me for just skimming the surface and some things, but hopefully it will just really be a catalyst for you to go a little bit deeper. But there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. A few months ago, um, we were doing a little event up at the Washington Street Housing Projects. You guys know that we work there a lot. Um, our heart uh, as a church has, not, has really been to not make a bunch of little dents, but make a huge dent. And so we've really adopted this place. Come January, when phase two is complete of this housing project up on Washington Street, uh, there's going to be 250 family units. And they've given us full reign of this place to go in, use the community room whenever we want. It's just an incredible opportunity from the Lord. Uh, we've got all kinds of relationships that are being formed there. So I just praise God for that and join us with that. A little side tangent. I'm excited about that, as you, uh, you already know. But uh, So we were doing an event up there, like a family movie night uh, a few months ago. And we had already put all the flyers out that we're going to be watching this uh, particular Pixar movie. And we we're going to be all about this movie. And, and we we're going to do giveaways in relation to this movie. We've got everything but the movie. 
And, and so I looked everywhere and just could not find the stinking movie. The day of, I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. I'm calling people with kids. You have the movie? Can you please? I need help. I called Target. Didn't have it. Uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Borders. Nobody had it. And then finally it clicked in my head. What's that place that you go to and it's like video games and movies? You know what I'm talking? I'm like, GameStop or Movie Stop or what, you know? And, and so I'm like, I'm going there. And I found the nearest one. And, and, and called him up and went there, and uh, called him up, found out they had it, and then I went there, and uh, so I get to the place, and it was midday, because this is what I do for work, right, and so it was midday, and I'm thinking, okay, it's midday, kids are in school, you know, you know no kids are going to be there for video games and stuff like that, because it's, it's like, you know, like 11, right, and it's just nobody's going to be there. To my surprise, I show up to this place, and I walk in, and it was full of boys, with beards. I mean, talking about video games. And I'm like, this crowd of guys just standing around with beards talking about, about video games. And like grown dudes, 20s and 30s. And, and they're talking about Halo and all these video games. And I'm just thinking, what? I mean, do they have jobs? I mean, are they professional video game players and they get sponsored to stand around at the GameStop and talk video? I mean, I was just completely like taken back by this at 11 o'clock in the morning, and can I just say, I can't be right. <laughs> There's something wrong with that, right? That, that can't be right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it can't be right. It can't be right. I was, I was really disturbed, and, and I'm, not, I'm just not sure that this is what God had in mind. Like when, in Genesis chapter 128, when he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and, and subdue it, have dominion over I don't think he was talking about having dominion over the world of Warcraft. I don't think that's what he was talking about. I don't think when he was talking about multiplying, I don't think he was talking about multiplying your gargoyles or whatever you, ever you do on the video. It was just so strange to, to me. And I, Listen, I'm burdened because here's where I think we're failing as a society. I think we're failing as a society in the area of men, of the dudes, the bros. We need men. We need boys to grow up and to become men, and we need those guys who think they're men to discover what true masculinity really is. And, and so I think right out, out of the gate here, maybe some of you are just kind of cringing inside because you just hear masculinity, and you just instantly, you're repulsed because you think chauvinism, maybe you think uh, barbarian, aggressive, punks. And that's not what we're talking about. It's just not what we're talking about. Let me read you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 13 through 14. Here's what it says. Here's what Paul says to the guys. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So right in the middle, the phrase is what? It's, it's act like men. Right in the middle. And so you hear all these words surrounding act like men that, that really seem in our culture to stand at odds with this idea of, of, of being a man. They stand at odds with, with each other. I mean, they're, they're all there, though, in one phrase speaking to men. Like, like for example, faith and men in, in one bold, firm phrase to the guys. I mean, faith and men, that's just, they're so not together. I mean, when, when, when you go to many churches across America today, you're going to find loads and loads of of, of women and, and boys and children, but not a lot of men. Because while the women are at church, a lot of the guys are out 
practicing the swing, working on their boat, on their car, uh, on the video game, working on the, on the house. And so today, faith really stands at odds with men, yet they're right there together in this, aren't they? Uh, faith is for the females, many w- would say, but it says, be firm in your faith, act like men. And so guys, let me ask you, are you firm in the faith? Are you acting like a man? Are you decided that we are going to live for Jesus? This is it. This is where it's at. This is what I'm all about. This is what my, my relationship and marriage is all about. This is what my family is all about. We are firm for Jesus. This is it. Or are you soft in the faith? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we like Jesus. He's a good thing. I don't understand how there's any room for half-heartedness. I just don't get it. Why even bother? If you don't really believe something, why waste your time? He says, be firm in the faith, but man, faith and men just seem to stand at odds in, in our culture. And I just want to challenge you. Act like a man and, and decide. Make up your mind. Decide. Decide. Verse goes on. It says, act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So now you have strength and love in the, the same verse. And again, two more that seem to really be at odds with, with each other, right? We, we, we kind of associate strength with aggression. We associate strength with, with hard personalities, rough around the, the edge, but, but love is for the guys who are soft, or love is for the guys who are, you know, trying to get the girl and get from the girl what they want, and so they suddenly get soft and whisper nice things in her ear, and it's just ridiculous and false and abusive. But God here has faith in men, strength in love, unified in in one phrase, act like men. So obviously, God's understanding of masculinity is just way different than than that of the world. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's wrong. leads to to death. leads to the downward spiral of a society. It leads for death, maybe physically or even emotionally for, for women and children and families because of men who have this false masculinity thing going on. Let's just kind of trace it back in Scripture. Uh, back in Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to flip there. I'll just kind of go through the first few chapters of Genesis. Back in, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, our first chapter of Scripture, God creates man and woman in his image and likeness. So you just see the tremendous value on both men and women. He loves them, and they're both in his image, and, and so there's value right there. continues on in, in chapter 2. God plants a garden, the Garden of Eden. You know this garden, right? And, and, and we see the very first thing that God has going for the man's role right there in Genesis chapter 2, 15. Uh, it says, the Lord God made the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To, to work it and to, to, to continue to work it, to cultivate that, that garden. So men, right here we see you're supposed to work. The very first role that God talks about for you, you've got to work. You've got to work. This is who we are from the beginning. I mean, just the other day I was talking to a guy who, who's been struggling to find work for a long time, and he just said, man, it's so, man, it stinks. It's just so, it just feels like there's some kind of, there's some kind of spiritual innate connection between work and my spiritual life. He's like, I just feel like in a rut spiritually when I'm not working and I'm not, you know, doing what I feel like I need to be doing. I said, yeah, because this is who we are. Guys, we are to work. I mean, that is our, our, our first role given by the Lord. It continues on in men's role, and it says, and he makes 
Eve. And so we see the first marriage. And really all of us uh, in marriage or, or someday hoping to be married, right? All of us are, are going to learn much from the first marriage over the course of our life. In, in chapter 2, 18, it says, it's not good for a man to be alone. He says, he says, I'll make a helper for him. I'll make Eve. I'll make his, his wife. And, and a lot of ladies get hung up on the word helper. Like helper? I'm just a helper? That's, that can't be good, right? And I just want to say, ladies, don't be offended because over 10 times in Scripture, God calls himself a helper. It's not, a, it's not like this derogatory designation. It's a, it's a great thing. You're, you're a helper. You, you are of great value and, and great help. And, and Scripture is clear that, that the wife is, is a helper, great value, both man and woman made in the image of God. And, and Scripture is clear, Ephesians 5, we'll look at it in a second here, that, that men are called to lead the family. The marriage and the family and even in the, in the church, men are, are referred to in Ephesians 5 as, as, as the head. There's leadership in marriage and, and family. Now, historically speaking, men have really jacked this one up big time. And so a lot of people say, whoa, 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 I don't, I don't like that idea. And, and here's what happens. Men have either been passive on this or aggressive on this. Too passive or, or too aggressive. Like, like Adam in, in Genesis chapter 3 uh, when, when Eve is being tempted by Satan, what, is, what does Adam do? He says he does nothing. He just stands idly by and lets his wife be deceived and lets the human race be ushered in, into to sin. He did nothing while Satan deceived his, his wife. He was right there. He was, he was right there. And, and this is many men today. They're passive. They don't lead. They're, they're cowards. They're just, just cowards. And so what has happened historically is women... Have, have had to step up and lead the home and lead the family and, and drag the family to, 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 to church while the kids are confused and disillusioned. I don't understand. Where, why are mom and dad not on it with this thing? Because it's so important to mom. But dad's just kind of, whatever, if I can get to it or if it's a holiday, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll come. And so men have just been passive. And it leads people confused and it's a way that you know it seems right to a man i'm gonna do my own thing and i'll get there when i have time but it it, it leads to, to death it leads to to death and the other alternatives men have been really aggressive we hear paul say act like men and we say yeah we're gonna act like we're gonna be men and we think that means be rough be aggressive be domineering be a, a jerk force a woman into submission you know force a woman into submission. You, you nurture her, you care for her, and submission will come in time. It's this beautiful relationship. And in any, any, uh, any other place in life, any other system in life, we understand leadership. When it comes to this, we get, oh, we get offended because of the history that goes along with this, right? We get really offended. But you look at the Trinity. We've talked about this time and time again here. You look at the Trinity. There's Father, Son, Spirit, three equal persons, but there's leadership. There has to be leadership. It's, it's got to work that way, right? There, there's leadership. Father sends the Son who sends the Spirit, who they all glorify. It's, it's an incredible thing. There's, there's leadership equals, equals beautiful, beautiful relationships. And, and so we, we, get, we get really hung up on this, but we shouldn't. And so men have been just so uh, aggressive. We think, act like men, yeah. And we just become total domineering jerks. We think it means lay down the law, simply make decisions, but there's this kind of relational disconnect. And it leads a lot of ladies to just emotional 
death. It just hurts. It just hurts. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's uh, a relationship. And it's just not good. And so I want to call those of you who are in a place to get out to get out. Get out. Right? Men, our, our example of leadership is, is Jesus. It's, it's, it's Jesus. Uh, he ushered in kind of this new model of leadership for us. Uh, we call it servant leadership, right? In, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says that men are to lead the church and lead the, the home, uh, it says we're to do so. Hold on, don't get offended. It says we're to do so as Christ did. We're to do so as Christ did. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for her. It's not this, it's, it's this I, I love you, I serve you kind of leadership. I'm going to serve you and give myself up for you, serve you to the point of death. There's neither anything passive or aggressive about that. It's beautifully just perfect, God-glorifying leadership. And so, men, we're to lead as, as Christ leads. And ladies, I want you to understand that, that this leadership thing is a burden to bear. And, and you have been given a gift to be relieved of some of the, the burden. Consider yourself not insulted, but consider yourself served. Because Christian men have to stand before the Lord and be accountable to God for their, their marriage and their wife and, and their children. Uh, much like Hebrews chapter uh, 13 verse 17 says that me as a pastor and someday as God raises up elders and leaders of this church, we have to stand before the Lord accountable for how we've led and shepherded this, this church, your faith. Likewise, uh, husbands, you need to know that before the pastor role was the husband-father role, and so you're accountable for your congregation, your flock, your, your family. And so I just ask you, are you leading? Are you really, are you really leading? Notice that in, if you think back through the, the scriptures, in every biblical covenant, there's always a covenant head, if you think about that. There's always a covenant head, and so when men are called the head of this marriage covenant, it makes sense. Just as Christ is the head of the, the new covenant, the, this that we're, that we're sitting in, Right, right now, and, and, and he's the, the head. He's accountable, and we're accountable. He bears the burden of our sin. We bear the burden of the, 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 the marriage and, and the family. And so, guys, it's on you. It, it's on you. And I want to just challenge you, no matter where you're at, whether you're father, uh, husband, soon-to-be, hope-to-be, it's, it's on you. And so be, be prepared. It doesn't mean you're of greater value. It just means that you, you've got a burden to bear. You're freeing up your wife a bit in this because you love her and you want to serve her as Christ served. And so in Genesis chapter 3, be mindful of this. Who does God come calling for after Eve uh, is deceived and they, they enter into sin? Who does God come calling for? He comes for Adam, doesn't he? Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? But Eve did it first. She went first. Where are you, Adam? Because I'm coming to you. I'm holding you accountable. And so, guys, we've got to step up. We've got to lead. We've got to prepare to lead. And so, men, we see we are to work. Generally speaking, we are to marry. There are some great biblical exceptions of that. Maybe God's called you to that. But generally speaking, we are to marry. That's the norm. And then we are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Not just the fun part, but we actually have to really take care of these, these kids, right? I mean, we have to be the fathers that, that God's called us to be. And so the big three are work, marry, and build a family, all under the example of G- Jesus, all under the leadership of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, and a relationship with Jesus, all right there in our first three chapters. And then chapter three sets in, and it's all broken. It's 
all broken. And historically, man, there's been a lot of mess because of that. So today, guys, we have to really work hard. We have to really work hard by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to honor God in this. And so uh, the, the Proverbs, really what they do is they paint for us a picture of what it could be, what it could be if we would walk in wisdom, be the men that God envisions. It's really descriptive of, of what could be, what could be. And so men will work and marry and have a family. Their faith is in all of it. Here's what it looks like. So let's just quickly burn through the big three here, uh, through the Proverbs if we can. I just want to quickly burn through them. Uh, we'll call these uh, three masculine mandates. Can we do that? Three masculine mandates. First one is this. Uh, we said it. Work. Guys, you've got to work. can't live for your work. However, dude, you've got to work. You've got to work. This is a part of your creation design. Before sin entered the world, guys were called to, to work. Let me give you some wisdom from the Proverbs. Here's one. Proverbs 10, 4 through 5 says this. A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So if you're not working, if you're lazy, it says it's shameful. It's shameful to be lazy. If you're out of work, I understand it happens, especially in today's economy. It, it happens, but if you're just sitting on your tail and not pursuing work, even that's shameful, right? First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relative, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In other words, guys, how can you call yourself a Christian and not want to work hard to provide for your family, your loved ones? And just the other day, I was, I was doing uh, house calls. And uh, I'm kind of a new at this whole lead pastor kind of thing. And I never envisioned myself doing house calls, right? Like the doctor with the satchel, you know. I was, but I was up at the projects and I was doing house calls, like door to door with people that I needed to check up on because they're not here. And yet they, you know, they, you know, it's, I got to be on these guys, you know. And so I was doing some house calls and uh, I, was, I was talking to people and I started talking to this one lady that, that God's kind of given us a relationship with. I was even talking to her husband at that same movie night I was telling you guys about. And I just started talking to her and saying, you know, what's going on? How, how's it, how's it been? And, How's your, how's your boyfriend, father of her, her, her I think, six-year-old daughter? And, and she was telling me about how, you know, he was trying to make a quick buck and was selling drugs and didn't want a real job. You know, he just wanted to make some quick money. Uh, didn't want to earn, a, earn an honest wage. Just kind of, what, what can I do to get some money and be lazy? And um, she said, uh, so the other day he was doing that out back, and he was arrested. And uh, I'm Instantly, my heart goes to her kid. I have kids. My oldest son's close to her daughter's age. I'm like, really? How, how, how's she doing? And she, she didn't see that. She didn't see him locked up. She's like, yeah, yeah, she did. But, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I mean, she plays cops and robbers. And so, you know, she, you know it wasn't a big deal to her. She just probably thought it was a game. I'm like, not a big deal? A game? Are you kidding me? This is a huge deal. When, when a man is selfish and, and lazy and, and absentee, he has no idea the kind of damage that, that he causes. It's emotionally killing women and, and killing children who will grow to be the same confused adults, and it breaks my heart. And so there's a way that seems right. Quick money, right? It seems right to a man. But in the end, it, it leads to death. And, and for us as a church, just as a side if we're going to do this thing long term, we're going to minister up there long term, man, I just pray that, that what we're going to get to see is the gospel addressing things like this. 
We're going to get to see the truth of, of, of the scriptures and the truth and the changing power of the gospel take root in a place like that. And so I know we've worked hard. We've seen hundreds of people involved with things we do there and never really take root and grow here. Hang in there because, man, this is a long-term kind of thing to really serve those people. Work hard, and I just I can't wait till I'm old and fat and gray and get to see uh, what happens up there through faithfulness and the gospel taking root and speaking to these kind of issues and, and to these uh, really hurting families. And I know this is extreme, but Guys, I, I would say this. We need to be challenged to work hard. We've got to work hard. Here's another one. Here's another reason, maybe more applicable to some of you guys. Proverbs 22, uh, 29 says this. It says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So, fellas, here's what it says. When you work hard in your, your place of employment, not only will you provide, but you will gain influence among people because I, I've told you guys countless times uh, Colossians three seventeen, whatever you do you're doing it for the glory of the Lord so there's no room for mediocrity there's no room for just kind of half-heartedly doing anything whether it's schoolwork or or your job or your career or, or yard work even I mean seriously everything we do to the glory of the Lord so that's why I think that everything should be done not perfectly but to the best that we can do it right and and so I think this speaks to it is that if you're if you're a guy wherever you're working man you better you better flip burgers with the best of them and whatever it is that you do you do it and he says you do it and and you stand before kings not obscure man you gain some influence that's why in first Timothy chapter 3 verse 7 it talks about uh, the qualifications of of pastors and elders and, and those men who will will lead the church and it says that he must be well thought of by outsiders. In other words, people say, yeah, he, he's upstanding. He works hard. He's respectable. He's not, he's not shameful. So there's that element in your career of work, and there's the element, I believe, at, at home. Here's another proverb, uh, last one for this, this, this mandate. Proverbs 26, 14 says this, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard on his bed. So, this is kind of funny. This is good biblical humor, right? Clean humor, right? I don't know if you've ever heard of any such thing as clean humor, but there it is. And so just picture this guy, this guy, right? It's like Saturday. There's things to be done. You know, the wife's got the list of things that she needs help with. And, and, and so it's Saturday, and now it's 10 o'clock, and it's, you know, the, the, the alarm goes off, and you're like a door on its hinges. Snooze. You sleep. Snooze. I mean, it's, this is good. This is humor, right? And so I like this. It's a little different for us, but it's... It's funny. You should laugh, right? I mean, often I hear college guys joking, like, dude, I slept until 1 p.m. Like, that was so funny. I'm like, guys, let me just tell you, I don't know of a single girl that will find that attractive. I'm telling oh, yeah, my man sleeps until 1 p.m. He's so fine. He's so sweet. You just don't hear that. I was up playing video games till 4 in the morning, and then I slept in till 2. It was hysterical, and they laughed. And the girls were like, what? Go hang out at GameStop. What are you doing? I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and guys, we've got to get off out of the bed. And, and for you, the, the hinge thing might be the lazy boy, right? It might be the TV. It might be the game. I just er, got you right there, right? It might be the game. It might be whatever it is. But you need to get up and do some work. There's oil to be changed in the cars. There's taxes to be filed. There's repair work on the, on the house to be done. There's, there's ice and, and things in the, in the dry that need to be chipped at and shoveled away, right? You've got 
to do some things. You've got a wife. You've got a kid to, to spend time with. You've got a church to, to serve with. And so work, work. There's no shame in that. No shame in that. Proverbs 10, 4, and 5. Man, slack hands, it says, are shameful. If you work, man, some, some good stuff there. We need a Sabbath. We need a rest. We talked a lot about that, but you also need to work. You can't be lazy. Revelation 14, 13, um, man, says this. It says there are people who are, who are resting today, but, man, they're going to have eternal unrest on the other side. It says, but if today, Christians, if we will work hard, we have rest waiting for us on the other side. Isn't that cool? I'm going to work today in this little blip we call life, but I've got eternal rest waiting for me. So, guys, we've got to work. Revelation 14, 13, we've got to work. Jesus worked to the point of, of death. Here's the next masculine mandate. Uh, we'll go faster through, the, through these two. It's hot in here. Uh, next one is marry. Marry. I like that one. That's good. That's good. We'll be shorter here, I, I, I promise. Proverbs 18, 22 um, says this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I got a wife, guys. That's a good thing. Man, I feel like I got some favor from the Lord. She's incredible. And, and men, marriage is this beautiful gift from God, right? Genesis chapter 2, 18 says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good, fellas. You know what I'm talking about? Not good for you to be alone. When you're alone, man, you're a mess, right? When you're, you're, you're alone, man, your house is a mess. Your life is not in order sometimes. And, and so God has this good idea. I'll create a wife, a helper, a teammate. This is a great thing. And so, guys, let me just say, marriage is where it's at. Marriage is where it's at. We're, we're made differently. We complement each other really well. And it, marriage is not something that, that you get into after you live your life. You know, we're in Boston. I understand that, that man, I, people get married way later in the city. I get that. Way later. Right? They're here for big things. They're here for greatness. And so marriage is like long-term, you know, long-term down the road. But marriage is not something I'll live my life and then I'll consider marriage. That's not it in the scriptures. Not, not what we see. It's a good thing. Finding a wife, guys, is a good thing. Marriage is not something you, you, you do out, out of obligation after you, you know, got somebody pregnant. Marriage is not something you do after you finally sown your oats. And I guess I'm ready to settle down now. Marriage is a good thing for men, not boys, but men to pursue. So if you're a boy and you, you're starting to feel the weight of that, if you're a boy, you need to become a man. And you need to learn from here how to become a man. But then let's pursue this thing. This is a good thing to pursue because what marriage does we see in Ephesians 5 as we read earlier is it displays to the world the relationship of Christ and his church right if we love each other the way Christ loves the church fellas we go love her that way what it is is we're, we're like a walking remember those old school tracks you know like I remember in junior high youth pastor would be like here's some tracks go give them on the street or we're like a walking tract our marriage right like we're we're a, we're a walking track you can tell people here's Jesus I love her even when she messes up because Jesus loved me when I way messed up right that's we get to proclaim the gospel in marriage it's a good good thing and so we need more faithful Christian marriages and less single men burning with passion as Paul says burning with with passion right and so guys you need to be looking for a girl who will not not a girl who make a great playmate or roommate or date but you got to be looking for a wife you need to be looking for a wife that's why i think this casual dating thing is, thing is really dumb you know like this friday i might go out with her a couple fridays i might try this one and then i might go to this one and just kind of casual date that's ridiculous that's i think it's just stupid 
And ladies, don't let boys pull that one on you because they're just manipulating you, just straight up manipulating you. Instead, be looking for men who will seriously and righteously pursue you. I want to do this the way God does. I'm ready to settle down. That's, that's why I'm dating. I'm ready to find somebody. I'm not just going to bounce from you and, and to, the, to the next one. So guys, you need to be looking for a wife. You shouldn't be looking for a roommate. You shouldn't be lurk, looking for someone just to flirt around with you. You shouldn't be looking for someone who will just kind of fulfill your desires or someone who will, will simply be your girlfriend. You should be looking for a wife. But first, work on your heart. Work on your heart and, and become a, a biblical man. In my opinion, I think we need uh, some, some guys to stop bouncing around and just be a godly friend for a while and figure yourself out, you a man. And then figure out, okay, who should I really pursue? Am I ready? Is she ready? I don't want to waste any time. I don't want to waste any time. Manipulate and just hurt people bouncing around like that. It's not good, right? Married men, I would say this. Um, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Here's what it says. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? You know what that's saying? Look around today, like Solomon says. Look around. Where are my faithful men at? Where are they at? They're gone. I don't, I don't know many faithful full men. I mean, every guy is going to stand at the altar, right, and sobbing and whispering sweet nothings in her ear. I love you, baby. You're beautiful. I'm with you forever, forever. I mean, it's, that's easy. So you'll find a lot of that. But faithful men who are here for the long haul, that's very, very rare. Faithfulness is, is, is rare, and, and it's got to be us, fellows. Divorce is not a backup plan that we're like, yeah, well, you know, that's, a, that's an option. It's the, you know, immorality, sexual unfaithfulness is the, only, uh, is the only exception given in the New Testament. But even there, it doesn't have to happen that way. It doesn't have to happen that way. We can still say, I'm going to be like Christ. And when they're unfaithful, I'm going to really, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what Jesus does. And uh, Jesus is always our example. Here's another one, fellas. Proverbs 5.18 says, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. So men, be blessed. Find a wife and stay with the wife. Find a wife when you're young. Pursue it when you're young and stay with the wife and love her unconditionally so that when, when beauty fades, and listen, women know when their beauty's starting to fade and when beauty starts to fade and there's, there's people younger than them and more attractive than them and they start to feel that. Women are unbelievably self-conscious, so much more so than us guys, Right? When, when beauty fades, you say, I'm in it still. I don't, you, you don't want her to be concerned with, ugh, I'm not living up to the, 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 the next generation. You don't want her to be concerned. You want her to be confident that he's not leaving me. My man is not leaving me. Be faithful because there's always going to be younger, more attractive women. But she's going to lead you to death, I'm telling you. It says right there in Scripture. Proverbs 3, or 5, 3 through 5 says this one. Here it is. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. Man, she's smooth talking to you. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow, to the, path, follow the path to Sheol or hell. Right? Seems right. It's going to lead you to hell. She's enticing. She's exciting. She's hard to resist. But she's going to kill you. And she's going to kill your family. And it's going to be awful. So many men that I know, the man, it seems so right in the moment. It seems so right in the moment. There's a lot of deep sorrow. And I've followed up on some guys in, in counseling and, and through the elder board of the church that sent us out here. I followed up on some guys who five years down the road are, man, they're 
broken and alone again, again, because she has no concern for faithfulness, and why do you think she's going to be faithful to you? Uh, it doesn't work that way. And, and so, guys, I want you to understand the weight of this, because when a woman stands at the altar with you, she's making herself unbelievably vulnerable, unbelievably vulnerable, because if you leave her, there's so much more on the line for her than there is for you. Because if you marry her, and, and, and then you have kids, and, 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 and then, then she's home raising the kids and pouring into the kids, and you find someone younger or more attractive or more enticing or more what you want at that given moment, and, and she's left, not unlike ancient times, she's, she's put in the, in the direction of poverty. It awaits her. Because she hasn't been working on her resume like you've been working on her resume. And you leave her when she's 30, 35, 40. And that's, that's some difficult stuff. And so finding a job is hard. If she has kids, how is she going to raise your kids too while she's trying to work to provide? And unfortunately, our government has set up some, some systems, some provisions for when you're a scumbag. But it's hard. And so, men, find a wife. Stay with a wife. Be faithful. Don't be weak. Don't bail when it's hard because then you're not being strong. You're just being a wuss. You're just being lame, and, 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 and you're just giving in when it's, when it's hard. You need to press on, resist temptation. 2 Timothy 2, uh, 22 says, flee those youthful lusts. They're going to come, but flee from that junk. Be strong, be a man. Ephesians 5, 3 is a good one. I make teenage boys memorize this one all the time, but you better not have even a hint of immorality, not even a hint of sexual immorality among you. So, man, ma- masculine mandate. Find a wife and stay with her. Here's the next one, last one, family. Family. Proverbs 22, 6. This is just the, the one I just want to give you uh, for the sake of time. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Think back with me to uh, Genesis 1, 28. Uh, we're called to be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. And so notice that kids are what? Kids are fruit. I mean, so many people, I think, especially in the city life culture thing we have going on here, so many people see kids as like a rock, not fruit. They're a rock. They're like this heavy, cumbersome, burdensome kind of thing. And kids are a good thing. They are always a blessing. They are always a blessing. I mean, my wife and I, we're, so, we're, we're young for having kids, and so we go into a, we go in a Starbucks, and we have, you know, a stroller and two kids, and the baby Bjorn on with a little, little, like, two-month-old baby girl with her feet hanging out the side. And people look at us like we have four heads. Like, you're a freak. What happened? So many kids. And we've even had, honestly, we've even had people look at us and just kind of give us that look like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's awful. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm like, no, it's a, it's a blessing. They're always a blessing. Let me, in my Bible, I have this, um, it's, it's a picture of my boys. I need to get another picture with my daughter in here. She's young, really young, but she'll get in there. She shouldn't be offended yet. Um, it says, I put the scripture on the back, and I read it all the time. Psalm 127, 3, 4, and 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. You know what a quiver is, right? A little thing, you know, uh, you put your, your arrows in. Blessed if you have a lot of arrows, right? Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies. In the gate. You're talking to your enemies, you're trying to show them up, you're like, yeah, I have more kids than you. 
So eat it. Get out of here, right? Your enemy's in the gate. You're not going to be put to shame. You've got a lot of kids. God's favor is on you. We need to see that. They're not a burden. They're, they're, they're a gift. They're a blessing. And we get, to, we get to have these kids. We get to train them. And then we get to shoot them. Not shoot them like you're thinking, like you want to do. Sometimes we get to shoot them like an arrow. We get to pull them out and shoot them out skillfully into the world to make a difference and to make an, an impact like, like arrows. Man, I just pray that this church will someday fill the earth, man. I pray that we fill Boston with some kids who love Jesus deeply. Kids who will go out and who will penetrate darkness. And I was just praying the other day. I was like, God, I know this is selfish, but don't call my kid to Africa. Call him to Boston like you call me to Boston. You know, because they, listen, the statistics are pretty much the same, right? So please just keep them here. Not, not for selfish reasons, honestly, because I just have a heart to see this place reach. And I know my kids are starting to love Jesus even at a young age. I mean, I'm ready to see them used powerfully from the Lord and just feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving through them as I've had just a, a hint of that uh, able to happen in my own life. And so, man, we, we've got kids and we've got we've to train them. We've got to disciple them. That's your mandate. And we've got to lead them. Um, and, and you've got to have a real strategy here. A real strategy here. And, and we can't just hope that mom is on it. Some of you guys maybe grew up in the, the faith and your mom was the one who poured into you and dad really didn't so much. Guys, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to do it. We built a house in central Massachusetts uh, several years back. Beautiful house. It's funny because like, shortly after building the house, God says, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to Boston. Great. So we sell this thing. Anyhow, we built this house, and we worked so hard. We put all this time and effort into building this house. We stared at plans and light fixtures and walked the aisles of Lowe's for hours on end. You know, it's just ridiculous. And, and we build this thing and all this time into it. And I, I wonder, you know, fellas, a lot of us are called to build a home. Your wife and your kids, you put that much thought into it? Do you put any thought into it? Or just kind of, eh, I hope my kids grow to love Jesus, I might pray for him from time to time. Are you really strategic as we were strategic in building a, a house? See, so many men, I think, come home from work, and the ride home is like you're shutting down, right? You're shutting down, and, and you're ready to get home and veg. I mean, when you're coming home, you've got like just a few short hours from work. You've got to not shut down, but you've got to turn on. You've got to work up and be ready to come home, walk in that door, love your wife, love your kids, serve them, lead them uh, in the way of the Lord, instill in them. The, the fear of the Lord, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, because as we see here, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Deuteronomy 6 says you better still in your kids the fear of the Lord. And it, it lays out three generations there. Three generations. It says you, your son, and your son's sons. And so it's, it's our responsibility to pass it on in the family. You've got to read scripture with them. You've got to memorize scripture with them. You've got to pray with them. You've got to teach them how to pray. You, you've got to, Deuteronomy 6 sees every teachable moment that God puts throughout the course of your life with your kid to teach him or her the, the, the truth of Jesus. Man, it kills me. kills me when I see Christian, Christian dads who care more about their son's football than they do their son's faith. And they're on the field with their son doing all that stuff with them and it seems so noble and it is, if it, it only comes after their son's faith. 